Herbert is being chased, thrown on the run, and it is caught. Touchdown, Keenan Allen. What a grab. That's what I'm talking about. Hey, that's what I'm talking about. That's the Warrior spirit right there, boy. Huge sack by Joey Bosa. 90-yard touchdown. 90-yard touchdown. It's going to be picked off at the 8-yard line by Derwin James. Herbert sets his feet, takes a shot downfield, has Guyton. Caught. Touchdown, Chargers. That's the greatest. What is going on, Bolt fam? Welcome back to the Thunder Down Under Chargers Football Podcast and to our final installment of the opponent series for 2023. Andy, your host here with Jack and Alistair. Hello, boysies. Hello, mate. Preseason opener for the Chargers this weekend against the Rams. We're so close to football season. Before we get stuck into uh, the three teams outside of divisions that we'll be playing this year, let's tuck into some delicious Chargers news from the most recent days at training camp. Um, I'll get us started off. I'm really enjoying that Staley's hammering home the impressiveness of the level of competition so far throughout the camp as a whole. Uh, not one side in particular winning every single day. They're winning, they're losing, learning, repeating, just iron sharpening iron. It's really great to see, real passionate about that. Jack, over to you, mate. What are you saying? Well, 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 we have been talking about this man. Well, right, let's let's start talk, let's start the discussion with two of these people, right? So um Let's talk about Hightower first. You know, he's second in catches in training camp with 27, only second uh, second to Keenan Allen with 47 or 46, and he's caught eight passing touchdowns. Now, Chargers fans rejoice. Great. We've found uh, someone not necessarily a diamond in the rough because he is a known entity, but he seems to be finding uh, himself on the end of some seeds from Justin Herbert downfield <laughs> to use some of the meta language that I hear on all sorts of other podcasts. Uh, but Alistair, we we had a bit of a debate about this, um, as I said, in our, in our private chat um, offline. Mm. But where does this leave Darius Davis? You know, pick four, uh, sorry, round four, pick one, two, five. Hightower is clearly ahead of him in terms of development and the, uh, yeah, the I guess, the usefulness that he has. And we've got a guy that's muffing punts and can't even block and seems to be uh, quite physically underdone. Like, what are we doing? I guess this is where we find out once the games actually begin. We get very excited during training camps and we make judgments and we confirm our priors and whatever we thought. We'll go, yes, I was right about that pick. We never say when we were wrong. Um, But this is what happens when you've got such a competitive group. A, A player comes out, maybe takes a while to acclimate to NFL level and another player steps up and kind of takes those opportunities, which is great. Uh, It seems that Davis is kind of playing with the threes at the moment. So I think he's got a long path ahead of him if he wants to do anything more than just return punts to start the season because good on John Hightower. He probably needs Guyton to stay on the pup list in order for him to make the 53. That's just my guess because it would be tough to carry seven wide receivers and they, they won't cut Darius Davis, nor should they. But great, fantastic, making lots of plays. Yeah, Bring it on. Absolutely. It's, um, like I said, exciting to see. I think four of those um, eight TDs that he's caught at camp so far have been over 50 yards. Um, and yeah, that depth wasn't probably something I was, um, expecting to see even after drafting QJ, uh, in the first round, uh, the depth on the other hand, an offensive tackle is starting to become mm. quite worrisome. We've signed Ooh. Matt Kasky, Kasky, the offensive tackle from USFL Birmingham Stallions. Um, and it just seems like where, yeah, I think how you said earlier today as well, one 
you know, one tiny little misplaced sneeze away from Foster Sorrell against Max Crosby um, and stuff like that. And uh, just while we're getting excited about one position group, there's always that shadow looming over another. And, uh, you know, all news is news. So you got to point it out. Well, I'm glad you did, mate, because because Kyle, Kyle, our good friend Kyle D. Dominicantanio, published an article on Bolts from the Blue because the the last scrimmage seemed to have been kind of ruined by bad offensive line play. He just looked back at the last few years to see how often is it that backup linemen get called upon to start during the year. And the numbers were quite fascinating. Last year, there were 20 games out of non-starting offensive linemen, three to Clapp, three to Sorrell, 14 to Sawyer because yeah. he wasn't supposed to start. The year before was even worse with 32 games. You had guys like Kelamete and oh. Quesenberry. I know, sorry, Jack, I probably should trigger warn you <laughs> before I do that. But like, just to close that out, the, the best injury luck we've had in the last five years at offensive line was in 2018 when the team went 12 and four, interestingly mm. enough. That year, only six games came from backup linemen. But otherwise, you're looking at 23 games, 16, 32, 20. How do you feel, Jack, if we need to find 20 mm. games of starting ability out of Foster Sorrell, Will Clapp, Brendan Hymas, insert tackle here? Well, let me put it this way. I have seen Justin Herbert use his legs more in the highlights than I ever have seen in any training camp. So he's popping off some big runs. He looks fit. He looks fast. Whether that is something that Kellen Moore is – wanting Herbert to do or whether it's just from poor line play that he's gone, well, screw this, I've got to make something happen. Yes, we do not want to see Justin Herbert running every uh, once every eight or nine snaps. But we also perhaps have a little bit more creativity at play caller. And if we do battle with 15, 20 games with second and third string tackles, maybe we will be okay. We've got depth in the wide receiver room, which we've just talked about. Uh, but no, like if I'm being brutally honest, we need Slater and we need Pipkins to be playing 80 to 85% of the season too, to, yeah. to do well. And, and Kyle closed that article out to say, well, look, teams can still sign guys, but if they're really that worried. And you still got Ode Ibushi out there. you still got Michael Schofield, guys to pick up off the street. So it's not like this is who we will go in with. But at the moment, bit of a concern when you saw the defense have nine or 10 sacks or whatever it was at the joint scrimmage the other day. Pretty damning. Jack? Could could that be put down though for, like this is, so now roles are reversed, right? We've seen Staley's had continuity with his players and with the defense, uh, especially in the secondary and now at middle linebacker with Kendricks in there, um, you know, who who is commanding him, so, or he has command of the defense, I should say. Now we're seeing a brand new offensive coordinator with some different wrinkles, with a different, slightly different system to play. Um, so, you know, the defense are humming, they're ready to go. And perhaps the offense will just yeah. need to take a couple of weeks or maybe even those first, that first quarter of the season to really start humming. Uh, I, I feel that would be better than last year where I kind of felt neither the offense nor the defense were, were good to go in, we we got some wins early, but it didn't really seem to be complimentary football. Yeah. Yeah, I'll feel a lot more confident in the next few weeks if we start seeing all these guys who are missing practice because of little niggles and um, and this illness that swept through camp as well. We, once we start seeing them back with just a little bit more continuity, doesn't have to be heaps, um, 
at training, not during preseason games, no need for that. But uh, I'll feel a little bit more confident then when I see all the healthy pieces all lined up. Uh, it sounds like JC Jackson as well was back. We speak about him a lot. We're following that like a, a hawk over a mouse. But yeah, he was back doing individual drills, um, which is good to see. At least that sort of scare a couple of days ago wasn't anything too sinister. Al? Yeah, injury health looks okay. I mean, since we last recorded, um, Sebastian Joseph Day has been sidelined with a quad contusion. I might throw back to you as the medical expert of the show What, what, how you interpret a contusion. I think that's what we call a corky. Mm. Yeah, that's what I thought too. And it can be, I guess it was, it's kind of... Um, uh, ambiguous how long he might be out. They'd said he'd missed time, but I guess those things can hang around. Sometimes you need to drain it out. I know my brother-in-law just had to get something similar done with a syringe because of a football injury. So that can linger, yeah. but still a bit of time between um, now and week one. So fingers crossed SJD is out there because if he's not, when you've already <laughs> yeah. got Tito on the pup and, and Austin, Austin Johnson, Johnson on the yeah. pup, you're talking about, you know, David Mower and Nick Williams and all, all these kind of guys. So. Yeah, all the all Bit the of heroes of last year. <laughs> <laughs> I think David Moa hung around when others came back, and then the defense started going. We're like, yeah, it's, it's Moa. <laughs> yeah. uh, and there's no uh, Kenny... uh, there's no there's no Harker from uh, uh, oh his name's just slipped my mind. Our the Are talisman Fahoko. Yeah, there we go. Uh, there's that popped up on my news feed. Um, I, I did also see Jack forgets about you the minute you're cut from the team. You're you're cut in Jack's mind. Yeah. Exist, oh, well. as my nonno used to I say. I only have so much <laughs> cognitive capacity. Uh, Aloha Gilman gave quite a good press conference yeah. and one of the first that I can remember seeing from him. Uh, and and I admitted to both you guys again offline. It is incredible. Now we're a little bit older. We're we're all into our thirties. How. You know how these guys mature from being a rookie into year four. The way that he comported himself, the how he was talking, uh, the ref, the reflective nature of uh, how he answered questions. Uh, it's it's really wonderful to see, and maybe he is ready to take that step and play as that free safety. Um, you know, he's probably Alistair again. I will I'll, I'll pass to you, but he's probably better as as, as that too high in the too high set rather than a roaming center fielder because he probably doesn't have the length nor the speed. Um, but he did show that last year, if you give him uh, some opportunities that he takes him. Yeah, man, I'm happy to put my hand up and say, this is one I kind of got wrong because at least a couple of years ago, having watched a few red zone touchdowns, he gave up even first year of Staley. I thought um, his physical limitations show up in big spots and there are blown plays and, you know, sixth round pick special team or what do you expect from this guy? No good. All he's really done since then is kind of make these occasional splash plays, where whether it's a pick of Mahomes or just something in a big spot. And I think what you're trying to set me up to say, which you're very good at doing, is, is he, he has these limitations and in Staley's scheme, in a kind of a quarters coverage heavy scheme, that requires you to be cerebral and understand pre and post snap adjustments and assignments and stick your nose in there and tackle. I think it suits him much better than Gus Bradley's old scheme did with kind of cover three responsibility. So sometimes you see that with the new coaching staff, certain players who were a scheme fit for the old regime, maybe Kenny Murray falls into that bucket, maybe not. They kind of struggle to acclimate. 
whereas other players I think thrive and it's great that we see it with Gilman. Hopefully we see it with JT Woods as well. Now, boys, nice. I, I want to come out come out with something you are not expecting because okay. I am Mr. Pro Staley on this show. Listeners, you'll know this by now. We're all pretty pro Staley, but I really, really enjoy <laughs> what. <laughs> A little something for the YouTube uh, viewers. and <laughs> Not great. However, however, I am a little concerned about one aspect of his regime and he doesn't appear that he's going to change it this year. He's a notoriously a don't play your guys in the preseason yep. coach. He learned it from McVeigh. Also, he's a don't train that hard coach. Like he talks about thud tempo. There's no tackling to ground. He gives out a lot of veteran rest days. And I've just got a couple things to share before I'll let you comment. The first, our great listener, Kev Diogo, he, he wrote something on Bolts from the Blue, harking back to the Chargers after a very disappointing season in 1962 when the team went 4-10 prior to the NFL merger. What they did is the following year, Sid Gilman moved training camp from USD, which is in La Jolla, lots of cool ocean air, to Rough Acres Ranch, located um, in Boulevard, California, which is basically in the middle of nowhere in the desert. And it wasn't a pleasant experience for the players. They said they'd conduct two trainings a day, temperatures close to 100 Fahrenheit, 38 degrees, um, little to distract the players from their kind of practice. And it was just kind of rough and ready. The next season, the team came out um, with an 11-3 and record and they had this 51-10 to beatdown of the Pats to win their first and only championship in Chargers history. Now, really? fast forward to the present day and what's concerning me is I've heard three coaches who are old school and really still train as if it's the 1960s. Mike Tomlin, Dan Jeremiah was talking about how he was at Steelers practice and the guys are doing one-on-one -on -one drills, tackling to the ground, and Tomlin's just a psychopath. Andy Reid, he is an old school guy. Drew Tranquil reportedly said, I can't believe how easy Chargers camp was compared to what I'm doing here in Kansas City. Ooh. Players are vomiting from exhaustion. Whoa, okay. Sean Payton, same deal. He said last year with Nathaniel Hackett, this was Camp Cupcake. That's not what I'll be doing. Our starters will be playing during the preseason. Conversely, Staley just said yesterday, he was asked, you know, are you going to change things up this year? It seems that we have lost Alistair, but I guess I will jump on to the that discussion as well. Uh, Andy, I'm not sure if you saw, but Eric Bieniemy, the players at Washington had come out and had started to complain as well. They they wanted to sit down with Bieniemy and be like, we're training too hard. This is too difficult. It's it's an interesting point, and I can see where Alistair's going. Oh, he, he's back, but that's okay. I, sorry. I, that's sorry. Right. I, you, you know yeah, where I was I going. Yeah, I can see where you're yeah. going and, you know, um, you know, with Biennemi obviously being a, an Andy Reid acolyte, you know, there is clearly a, a regime or a way of coaching or a way of understanding uh, physical fitness and development of strength that says you play your starters in the preseason. Now, is Staley any of those three? No. Mike Tomlin, one of the best coaches of all time for Pittsburgh. Andy Reid, one of the best all-time coaches. And Sean Payton, one of the most successful coaches of all time too. You've kind of, they've, they've got that aura about them. And you know what? If Joey Bosa tears a peck, peck and he's out for the season because he was going too hard in training mm -hmm. camp and also play, well, that's, yeah. that's, you live with that. 
I don't know. Doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. This is the 21st century. We are dealing with millennials as players too. Um, but diamonds are made under pressure. Uh, but pressure also cracks pipes. It just depends on what kind of plumber you are, I guess, or or it's minor. Give and take, yeah, isn't it's, it? it's, it's it's difficult. Yeah, that's a good point. Um, well, Jack, I mean, you uh, in the way that you work with your teaching, you work towards finding a way to to reach out to students who learn differently. Mm. And whilst you are Staley is still and coaches who don't go that hard in in the preseason, while they are still teaching a, a group of individuals, they're teaching them as one. And perhaps that works and there's a different way that he gets them amped up to, to run through people, you know, when it's the first kickoff in, in, um, in the regular season, I don't know, maybe it works. We'll see, but you're right. I, I see things from both sides. You complain when players get injured in the preseason, but also like when you, oh, when you see them come out in weeks one and mm. two and they're witches hats, you, you lose it. Like, what have you been doing all this media and stuff on the training camp? And you guys have just been pulling socks out of each other's shorts. Like let's get some tackling going. You know what I mean? I'm sure the players love it. Like Keenan said, this has been the easiest training camp of my 11 years. You know, it's great. You know, the coach really trusts us, Man. gives us rest days, <laughs> but you know, we don't always know what's good for us. Sometimes, um, I don't well know. on that, what's going um, on, the stick what's going on with the, the psychology post, uh, 27 zero, because coming out going, ha, 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 easy training camp. You just want a Super Bowl, Have you, you, can you take it off? You've got nothing to, to fight for. Um, but like I said, maybe there's uh, other ways that they go about finding their juju. Um, Something to monitor for sure. If the season starts with missed tackles and all this stuff, this is one where I'll be saying self-scouting. You've, this is your third year now and you have you saw some issues with your defense not being able to tackle. Why didn't you change things up wholesale in the way you approach the training, you know, preset season regime? Obviously, he backs his process. Hopefully, it works. It or, worked for the Rams. They want to Or see. you go, okay, this is the third year. The players, who are mostly veterans, when you look at our, our, our top tier, they are all guys that are plus five years in the league now. So they know what they need to do to get ready. And maybe this is the pinnacle of what Staley's been trying to build for the last two years. Now, okay, okay. The linebacker who shall not be named can walk into Chiefs camp and be like, oh, this is so hard. Oh, the charges was easy. We can look at Tomlin. We can look at Sean Payton and what, and they do. Yes, okay, we can compare. But I don't think Staley is any of those. I, I, I think he runs and he works completely differently, which I don't mind. I don't, I don't mind. No. Um, so, yeah, doomed if you do, doomed if you don't. It's the rod that you build for your own back. We see in our professional AFL game about this whole idea of loading and the and that you train very very hard all throughout the season and then you lay off uh, a little bit just as you start to ramp up to your peak physical fitness in sort of rounds, uh, I guess sort of in the later rounds or the last quarter of the season, so you're good for playoffs or what we call finals in Australia. But you got to win enough to play in the playoffs. We can't yeah. afford to start. Don't cut a, your nose up to spite your face. Exactly, exactly. It's a it's a fascinating one. I I mean, surely they'd be using data and all sorts of stuff. Um, but just looking at the way that uh, Patrick Mahomes trains with his personal trainer in that series, quarterback, it's all about data and it's all about uh, building and building and building. Fascinating to watch. I I can't wait till you guys watch it and we can have a chat about it. Yeah. Uh, anything further about the Chargers training camp news? No, then we will move right along onto the opponent's series with the rest. Jack, over to you with the Tennessee Titans. Right. 
Last week, I put together a Raiders wrap. Some people liked it, some people didn't. We copped some abuse online, but that's okay. From Raiders fans, we don't really care. About Raiders that. fans. Who cares? <laughs> this week, I've put together yeah, listen a- Listen again. Listen again. Fuck <laughs> yeah. the Raiders. <laughs> <laughs> this week, I've put together the tale of the Titans. <laughs> well, gather round, my young ones, and let me spin you a yarn about them Tennessee Titans. Out there in them rugged lands where the grass bends like the wind on a cowboy's hat, those Titans took the field like true frontier folk. Ryan Tannehill, that old quarterback, well, he had wisdom in his eyes like a man who's seen his share of sunsets. He threw that ball with the ease of a fella who's been roping cattle all his life, each pass telling the tale of grit and gumption. Now, on the sideline stood Mike Vrabel, a coach as mysterious as a desert sunset. His Stetson pulled low, his scheme like a card shark playing a hand of poker. And oh, that Derrick Henry, a ranch hand if I ever saw one. He barreled through them defenses like a stampede. His legs are sturdy as an old oak tree, standing tall against the winds of time. But hold on now, the story takes a twist, like a river bend unexpected. A.J. Brown, that speedy receiver, he rode off into the sunset, leaving a gap in the Titans' ranks wider than the Grand Canyon. As the season rolled on, troubles blew in like a summer storm, but out the dust came new hope. Young guns like Will Levis and Traylon Burks might step up, like fresh shoots pushing through the dirt after a long drought. And so, my dear ones, the Titans are facing their trials, drawing strength from the very heart of them Tennessee hills. It's a story of setbacks and comebacks of grit and glory, a tale as timeless as the sunset over those Tennessee horizons. Yeah, 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 yeah. Righty, <laughs> so Very good, mate. there is the tale of the Tennessee Titans from the last. Was season. that Josh Allen? <laughs> yeah, all my all my accents the, sound the, start to sound Mon- the same. Montana Titans. I mean the Tennessee Titans. The Tennessee, yeah. Well, American Titans, yeah. Well, uh, that sort of summed up where they got to at the end of last season. Uh, I did just want to, before I pass on to a wider discussion about uh, the mm. team. I was a big fan of Skoronsky, Peter Skoronsky coming out of the draft. Um, Northwestern product, I really liked him probably as a guard rather than a tackle, but the one of the big weaknesses or one of the big places or things to watch with the Titans will be their offensive line after losing Taylor Lewan, and they also lost their right tackle um, as well. Who was that? Who was that? Petty, Petty Frere suspended That's six right. games. That's right. He started, yeah. And you lost um, Nate, Nate Davis, Dave, Nate Davis at right guard too. So if I was – if I'm ready and getting ready – sorry, preparing to watch this game, their offensive line, if we have Joey Bosa and Khalil Mack ready to go, I have a feeling that we're going to get to Ryan Tannehill or could it be Will Levis or Malik Willis? I mean, that's one of the more interesting quarterback battles in the – in the um, I think in the league. I don't know where – where Will Levis fits is Malik Willis ahead of him in the depth chart. Um, will Malik Willis get um, a chance over Tannehill early on? Fascinating team. I do love Mike Vrabel. I think he's a fantastic defensive coach. Um, and whilst their offensive line might be a bit of a, a talking point and perhaps a weakness, 
holy moly, their defensive uh, front five, because they play a, a three-four with with their outside linebackers, is absolutely dominant. Jeffrey Simmons has got to be one of my favorite players in the in the uh, in the NFL, and I think he's building to be uh, one of the premier uh, sort of nose tackles um, or interior defensive linemen in the next couple of years. Uh, so that's sort of where where we stand, and they obviously just signed um, old man nope. DeAndre Hopkins, and he's he's doing the uh, he's doing the Tennessee time. So yeah, anything from you guys? Yeah, well, I think they made a, a bevy of um, of off season moves, didn't they? Uh, shifting the coordinators, um, promoting Tim Kelly up from the passing game, uh, as you said, uh, a bunch of the defensive moves, but. Um, also getting Harold Landry back from injury. Uh, he was one of the first mm. ACLs in training camp last year. And slot Carl Phillips is also a pretty handy um, addition to mm. uh, a wide receiver room that doesn't look quite as bad now that yeah. DeAndre's in there. He's still got a little bit of juice uh, left in the tank. Traylon Burks will improve. Another one of those guys that we've spoken about moving into their second year. He had a fair bit on his plate last year, so it was trial by fire. And Chigu Conquo is um, a pretty handy tight end. Mm, so uh, they've bit of a breakout candidate. Yeah, um, and that that defense is um, like yeah, really uh, really looking quite beefy now with um, Vrabel at the helm. He's fast becoming one of these coaches, almost a la Tomlin, where he, like he's too good to coach a bad team. Yeah. And like they almost just need this bottom out year where they blow it up and get a high draft pick so they can take their quarterback. Tannehill's in the final year of his deal. Um, but it's hard when you've got the best run defense in the, in the NFL. Last year, they allowed the fewest yards and the fewest yards per attempt. And Vrabel just knows how to coach him up. And it doesn't matter how poor they look on paper. It doesn't matter if Caleb Farley starts his career like a bust. They just go, that's okay. We'll keep drafting guys. We'll sign Sean Murphy Bunting. We'll get Christian Fulton in who suddenly plays well. So he's just a great coach, really adaptable. Like that word you use, Jack, he will shape his scheme to fit his player uh, players. He's adaptable. And I think he's a very good coach. Played us really close last year. I think um, we won that game 17-14. I remember it well because I watched it at Kyle's place in, in the States. Only narrowly got over, over the line. I think we had a late deep completion yeah. to Mike Williams who yep. caught it and then won with a field goal. But we were lucky because for, for a good part of that game, Tannehill was out. Remember, Malik yep. Willis was in. So I expect it to be fairly tight again. Um, I, I, I agree with what you said, Jack. I think their real weakness remains the offensive line. Also not sure if this new coordinator and, and Tannehill will gel. It's a bit of a... Um, they're kind of strange bedfellows. Tannehill is a really good play-action quarterback, has really enjoyed this uh, Shanahanian-style offense. Really great off the play-action yeah, pass, as I said. Yeah. yeah, Tim Kelly's more of a kind of a spread um, offensive system. He he used to be in an OC for Bill O'Brien at the Texans, kind of more traditional um, concepts, and not sure if that's Tannehill's gear. I mean, in the um, uh, that quarterback book that PFF produced, it, they graded him as the 22nd best quarterback off traditional dropback concepts. So we'll ha we'll see how that works. I expect it's only a one year kind of marriage, and then Will Levis will come in. I think that suits him well. But a growing year for. Um, Tennessee, not expecting them to do much. Do you think they could win the division in the South? Do you Ooh. think they could do enough? Do they improve it's, on? It's fairly do they, even. Do they improve on seven and ten and take over the Jags? 
Oh, I don't think so. Oh, seven would be a good effort with that. Yeah, wouldn't it? Well, you never know. Mate. I don't know. know. I mean, health plays a big a, a big part of it. I mean, you know, we were talking about Kevin Byard earlier as well and, and what a top safety he is. And, you know, we haven't talked about him because is anyone talking about the, the running backs at the moment? Are we allowed to talk about them? But what's the go with King what's the go with <laughs> King Henry? And you know, where does he go? Is does he have another year where he can, you know, rush for eleven hundred, twelve hundred yards and, and sort of put up ten plus touchdowns? Is that uh, with the new offensive coordinator, is that something that he's going to be asked to do or is he going to be used more sparingly? I mean, per PFF, he's still seventh in the league um, last year, despite some injury concerns um, and things like that. But chances are that you'd expect his body to start breaking down. Um, yeah, but I'm glad you mentioned him because, like, he okay, he's 28, about to turn 29. We're acting like he's Methuselah. <laughs> he... Like, it was his second best season of his career based on his PFF grading. He had 1,538 rushing yards and the most rush attempts in the NFL by 10. Now, yes, his yards per attempt dropped a bit. He just They just rode him into the ground. But goodness gracious, at the start of last year, we're talking about, you know, is he cooked because he's coming off that injury? Oh, yeah, no worries. 1,550-yard season. But he's going to have to, right? So he's going to have to do that because of the porous... Offensive line, yeah. they're going to have to lean on the run game to actually move the chains a bit to try and get some time for Tannehill to move the ball down the field. And I, I don't know if he's got. Yeah, okay, he's turning twenty nine, but geez, he's an absolute massive unit. And yeah. um, you wonder, Eighth you season. just wonder that the hit after hit. I mean, I love him. I, th- I love watching him run. God, he's incredible. But yeah, that's it's, it's going to be. And when do we have them? We have them. Week, week two, two in Tennessee, which means they're all he's going to be fresh. So we better have our fucking tackling pads on. That's the uh, we better have some tackling fuel. As, yeah, tackling uh, fuel. Well, you talk about you talk about health, Jack. Uh, Dylan Raddins did his uh, ACL in December. Taylor Lewan only played like sixty-five snaps. So yeah. what they had in that offensive line for for Derrick Henry to be able to continue to move through was um pretty astounding injuries across the board i think they used something like 80 85 players last year just because they were like just seldom had a a healthy um they were the most injured team in the league um and we complain about being close to that as chargers fans but i think for Vrabel to win seven games with that many sort of fill-ins and guys off the street is incredible um and should always be uh, revered and respected as an opponent, especially that early in the season, as you said, when the likes of Henry are fresh and you're going to get mm. probably the most out of DeAndre Hopkins and stuff like that before mm. his wheels start to fall off. And is is Will Levis the guy? Do we know? We did we did we didn't really like him coming out, did we? In terms of quarterback prospects, but by lord, he loves he loves no, he loves to eat a rotten banana. End, like second round is good. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Onion. Um, but look, the news from training camp at the minute is Malik Willis has been outperforming Will Levis. Uh, not by much, but apparently he's clearly been the better quarterback, which is very interesting because it looked for all intents and purposes that Vrabel and the front office were like, nope, you are not the guy, Malik Willis. Because you might remember they they signed and started Joshua Dobbs. Incredible. 
final two games of the year, including that last game where they lost to the Jags, another team whose season the Jags ruined. Um, but <laughs> but, so, but this offseason, you know, he's only entering his uh, second year. Uh, he's apparently he's rebounded and he's looked much improved. Good so yeah, good on him. Good on him indeed. Uh, I kind of liked their draft. Um, it took some some cornerstone pieces for the future. Ty J Spears was a running back that I liked. So, yep. Hassan Haskins as well probably hasn't shown what he could be worth uh, so far, but yeah, I reckon they will do probably better than a lot of people are thinking. I think there's a lot of hate on the the Titans. What are our predictions for the week two matchup, fellas? I'm going a win. For me, it is a Chargers win by between one and six points. Quite close like last year. I am going to say this is in Tennessee. This is a Chargers loss, and this is what sends us into a little bit of a spiral. I think Derek Henry has a big Mm -hmm. game. Our tackling is going to need to to be uh, A+. But I think they wear us down. So I'm going to call it a loss of about anywhere between one to six to the Titans. Uh, Jack, out of interest, what did you? What was your result for the Dolphins game in Week One? Do you recall? Was that a win or a loss? He went Chargers, Chargers win. win. Yep. Because that's Trouble Town. If we're going yep. zero and two. Oh yeah, zero and two, and that's why I'm saying this is to pack get up the microphone. We're done. <laughs> pack it in. Pack it up. End of the show. Thank you. But to get, I, I just look at this team and to get to get Derrick Henry, DeAndre Hopkins, you've going to have, you're going to have Danico Autry, Jacriski Tart, Simmons, Landry, Arden Key all rushing you. Oh God, I tell you what, Pipkins better be healthy because that could be very, very nasty. Very nasty. Yeah. But yeah, loss. <laughs> loss. Okay. Um, two to one. Interesting. All right, on to the Dallas Cowboys. Yeehaw, damn boys. The Dallas Cowboys. Agonizingly close to a conference title appearance last season, 12 and five regular season record, one and one in the post, all of the memes, all of the tattoos that came out. This is our year. Damn boys. Couldn't have been any better. Who will be the fall guy? At the conclusion of the season, Mike McCarthy decides he wants to run things his way. So out with Kellen Moore and they promote Brian Schottenheimer from coaching analyst to take care of Mike McCarthy's offense. Now, since 2016, Dak has had Scott Linen, Kellen Moore, and now in essence, Mike McCarthy as his offensive coordinators. There's so much hoo-ha in the Cowboys media about poor Dak, his third offensive coordinator in eight seasons. In eight seasons, Herbert's had more coordinators in his first weeks at the Chargers. (laughs) Is it really the OC's fault when you lead the league in interceptions despite missing a tick over five games? 15 interceptions. Dak's been quite vocal about the change in system. In the positive, he's pointing out the simplification of what McCarthy's doing, what it's allowed him and his teammates and the speed that they've been able to transition this offseason. Better than when Moore took over in 2018 anyway, apparently. They call it the Texas Coast offense. Some simplified Kellen Moore concepts blended with the West Coast system he ran with Rogers at Green Bay. Well, we'll see. They're focusing on taking the pressure off Dak, you know, small completions. Move the ball up the field. No Zeke Elliott anymore. No Dalton Schultz anymore. Uh, they bring in a genuine number two receiver, Brandon Cooks. Michael Gallup only registered one game over 50 yards receiving in 2022. They drafted six foot five tight end Luke Schoonmaker from Michigan in the second round. 
on defense. And this is this is pretty nice. They've added Stefan Gilmore to pair up with Trayvon Diggs yeah. and returning Jordan Lewis in the slot. That's pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. First round pick, Marzi Smith, interior uh, interior lineman. That makes two Wolverines off the top. Schoonmaker, by all reports, is making his debut at practice this week. He's been dealing with some plantar fasciitis, but Hurt, yeah. um, maybe uh, maybe just the replacement tight end, uh, losing Schultz on that offense. Other fun news, Zach Martin's reportedly not reported to any form of practice. He's now accumulated $600,000 in fines, and they are no closer to reaching a negotiation. The eight-time Pro Bowler wants more moolah. They let Conor McGovern go as well. Um, and even more pressure on that offensive line to stay healthy. Defensively, as I mentioned, cornerback room is juicy. That's going to be dominant. Dan Quinn's men are menaces in the tackling game. Mm. Vander Esch is an animal, and I love Micah Parsons. Real coin flip for Defensive Player of the Year for mine. This could be his year. I think I backed him in last year, and Nick took the uh, the mantle. It's a great defense, led the league in turnovers, which helps when your QB throws pies. Only allowed nine rushing touchdowns and a positive 31.77 in expected points contributed by defense when the league average was minus 52.1 per PFF. A couple of uh, fun draft notes from me. Deuce Vaughn, the child on the field. It's comical, uh, even more so than watching Kyla Murray run around. Five foot six. I've got that covered with daylight. Not on the ground, though. He's a pocket rocket. Um, he's taken this challenge with everything. It's a loaded wide, uh, running back room. Um, Ronnie Jones is another addition there. Uh, Jalen Brooks, seventh round wide receiver from South Carolina has also been impressing quite a fair bit. Um, apparently his playbook is like out of this world. He's just a full nerd on the whole thing. So, um, that's kind of cool. And another fun fact about one of their other draft picks, Vilami Fehoko isn't related to Braden or Simi. But he is the second cousin of Vita Vey. Something for you, yeah. Jack. You love that big Ooh, yeah. man. I do. I still think the Eagles will win this division. But uh, do I see the Cowboys winning 10 games? Another 12 and 5? I don't know. They've really got to stay available. And having the at Bills, at Dolphins, Lions run home is pretty rough. So I think this week, oh. six mac- week six matchup for us comes at a good time, fresh off the bye. I say good. I think we're one and one under the Staley regime after the bye, and Herbert is two and one. So, a bit of whatever you like there. But the Cowboys will have just come off playing at 49ers to then travel back west to play against us in two big um, away games. So, yeah, it's good, good for us. Jack, I'm going to ask you a question regarding Dak Prescott. Incredibly, he has had solely 12. Uh, only 12 rather rush attempts in 192 total total goal to go snaps since McCarthy took over. He scored 24 rush rushing touchdowns from 2016 to 2020 before his injury. And he's had just two since with Zeke going out his prowess in short yardage situations. Um, do you think enough times passed since Prescott's injury for McCarthy to start utilizing that six foot two, 228 pound frame? Could this mm-hmm. unlock a certain element to this offense? Do you think? Not at all. Nope. Not at all. Um, I would not be putting Love your. That. Not at all. No. I would. That uh, injury was horrible, and it did does the physical damage. Of course, we know that takes a long time to perhaps recover, but also the mental load of it on a on a quarterback. And I just don't think Jera would probably like it either. I think you know it's your pinnacle. It's your piece of your 
not only your your team, but also it's your it's your market, it's your jersey sales, it's your marketing, your jersey sales, it's what people come to watch, it's the smile, it's the work with the community. Let's just try and protect Prescott at all costs. Uh, and I, I don't think they're going to need to. I think Pollard, they're going to get enough production on the ground with Pollard and that running back room, even though Zeke's out. Zeke played well last year, uh, but I think they'll find his yards in, in, other, in other spots. Uh, I, if they really want, they can sign him yeah, too. He yeah, hasn't been hasn't signed been, by hasn't anyone. Touched. Um, but I did want to touch on this defense, and I'm going to make a call. It's not, it's not a hot call, but I think this will be the best defense in football in um, 2023. Close to. I, I have a feeling with Dan Quinn, you know, he's got – the pedigree with the Legion of Boom. He's been sort of around the league since then. I have a feeling he's built this to have that kind of Legion of Boom-esque feel. They're not going to be playing the same concepts, I understand, but Parsons, Hooker, Diggs, Curse, uh, Wilson. You've got Van Der Esch in the middle of that defense who has had a couple of down years with some neck injuries, but I still think his rookie year, he was he was a phenom. Um, I will be, geez. I, I've just not to jump the gun, but I find it, I, I see it very hard for us on offense um, moving the ball against this, against this defense. So uh, yeah, Zach Mart's an interesting one. He's had a couple of down, a couple of down years, which is bizarre that he's holding out for more money um, because he sort of hasn't. He's on 14 mil a year and the mm. two league yeah. leaders are about 20. He's, he's the eighth, 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 yeah, eighth highest yeah. paid guard. Yeah. And he hasn't really proved he's got two he years really, left on a He hasn't really proved deal. that he's worth top money, especially given last year. Anyway, interesting. It's pretty good. Anyway. I agree with you, Jack. He the the defense is gonna be elite. Yes. Uh, like so the the news of Micah Parsons is that you can't, they can't practice when he's on the field. <laughs> he's just too good. Abs- no, he's just absolutely unblockable. Yeah. The people who are there watching, because around the NFL were there the other day, he <coughs> He looks like he's taken a, the next step. Don't forget, he was drafted as an off-the-ball linebacker. He he hasn't had a lot of time playing air, edge and working on his pass rush moves. It's just another off-season knowing this time you are playing edge, buddy. He's gonna. I'm gonna call it. He's gonna have 20 sacks this season if he stays healthy. If if he plays 17 games, we're gonna see a 20 sack season from Micah Parsons, and he'll go close to pushing Strahan's record. Uh, he's he's a freak. He's yeah. an incredible player. Um, so I'm all about the defense. For the first year, I kind of really hate the Cowboys. They're, they're one of those teams that traditionally a lot of people hate them if you either love them or hate them, right? America's team. Mm. The way they dealt with Kellen Moore and now that he's our offensive coordinator and Mike McCarthy with his friggin' hackneyed mojo magic dross. Like you're dealing with blokes in their 20s who's like, hey guys, where's your nice and pale mojo magic? Absolute <laughs> moron. <laughs> And this uh, and this team already Sugar had the sixth water. most rush attempts. Yeah, <laughs> they already had the sixth most rush attempts in the NFL last year. Uh, second most rushing touchdowns. But apparently he wants more, more balance, more running the ball, and like that. I don't know if that's what they'll actually do because it looks like their wide receiver room is pretty stacked and their running back room isn't. I'd be surprised if they didn't air it out quite a bit, but. I don't know. I feel like bringing in Schottenheimer, who to me is a bit of a has-been, you know, kind of reject from a couple of places. No disrespect, like family who spent a lot of time in the game, but I don't think he's at the forefront of kind of offensive schematics. I kind of hope quietly that they crash and burn, but I don't think that's what's going to happen because I think they're just a bloody good football team on both sides of the ball. They've got 
skill players for days. What happens in the playoffs? Totally different question because that's been the big problem for them. They can finish the season with 11 wins, maybe 12 wins. What will happen when it's McCarthy, who has all sorts of time management, clock management Mm. stuff, and now he's going to call the plays as well? Recipe for disaster. Get the popcorn. Get the popcorn. Predictions, fellas. Dallas at Los Angeles week six. Mm. I'll start this one. Uh, And my next day headline is a geriatric Jera jibes Meek Mike. (laughs) And it will shoot to the sidelines of Jera mouthing, throw the fucking football. (laughs) And we're talking about Chargers win by more than a score on Monday Night Football. And I can't wait to see it. Wow. I love it. I love it. Monday Night Football. I've got it. I've got us for a win too, but it's going to be close. And this is going to be Justin Herbert's proper... Yeah, star, everyone's going to be watching. You know, the Dallas Cowboys are the most valuable franchise in sports. That's It's America's team. Everyone's going to be watching Monday Night Football. Justin Herbert goes for 304 touchdowns. And I think we win this game by anywhere between 7 to 10 points. And it is. It's going to be. That's a, not it's, close at all. It's going to be a <laughs> barn burner. It's going to be close, but we're going to win by 10. Close. 10, 10 points. points. Let's 10 get points. it. I've got us in for a win too. I'm more inclined to think, Jack, that on that kind of stat sheet with the inability to really move the ball, it's blown coverage sort of stuff that's going to hit you 450 yards, 400, uh, four touchdowns. So, um, yeah, I think it's just going to be a a really uh, fireworks kind of kind of night um, at SoFi. All three of us picking the win. Al, over to you with the Baltimore Ravens. Wellity, wellity, wellity. Jack is not the only person who can uh, prepare some little written diatribes to give, but unfortunately I can't use a computer, so I won't be uh, doing any pre-produced gear. This will be a live rendition, which is perhaps apposite. No Lloydie's Lloydie's lyrics or anything? Save it. The Raven by Edgar Lamar Poe. (laughs) Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered pondered almost teary over non-exclusive franchise tags and if I could make more. While I nodded nearly napping, suddenly there came a tapping, as like Ravens fans are clapping at MMT Bank, loud for show. Ah, distinctly I remember it was in the bleak December when I sprained my PCL and the team was 8-4. and four. Eagerly I wished the morrow, wildcard round against Joe Burrow, but my wishes became sorrow. Sorrow for me and John Harbour. Presently, my soul grew stronger, hesitating then no longer. Tyler Huntley, said I. J.K. Dobbins, truly your forgiveness, I implore. But the fact is, I was napping, and so gently I heard rapping, and so faintly you came tapping at my chamber door. Here I opened wide the door, darkness there, and nothing more. Back into the chamber turning, all my soul within me burning, also yearning for the bag that hurts had made a day before. Soon again I heard a tapping somewhat louder than before, open here I flung the shutter, when with many a furt and flutter, in there stepped stately Eric DaCosta, with his bald head, shinier than it's been before, (laughs) threw a contract on the floor. What are the guarantees? I shrieked up starting. Get thee back to the front office, DaCosta, you won't pressure me to sign. I want a milli, or a billy, or a trilly. 
Yes, I'm nursing injuries yearly, but quit shortchanging me, man. Take thy foot from out my ass and take thy contract from off my floor. <laughs> Quoth da Costa, art thou a raven or art thou craven? Sign it, Lamar. So I signed it. And Acosta took the contract, left my house to shape his roster, hoping that I'm no imposter, or he'll soon be making coffees followed shortly by Harbour, and his eyes had all the seeming of a demon's that is dreaming of a Super Bowl. Except I think he knows I cannot throw the ball. But my bank account's now loaded and the fan base has exploded and I've started feeling pressure that I've never felt before. And in my dreams I ask the football gods this one question. Will the Ravens hoist this year's Lombardi? And in unison they answer me, shall be lifted, never more. Well done. Good. Very much appreciate yeah, that as a lover of literature. <clears throat> Edgar Allan Poe. I even like that one. Edgar Allan Poe. Very good. Perhaps we go straight into it. You've got Lamar, got very Lamar. interesting, kind of divisive quarterback. He had a good year last year based on your like your regular metrics, but again, he got injured at the critical point in the season. Second year in a row, he doesn't finish it off. The team brings in a new offensive coordinator, Todd Monken of uh, Georgia Bulldogs fame, formerly a couple of stints in the NFL as OCs elsewhere. Um Typically kind of likes hunting for explosive mm. plays, no huddle offense, big fan of using the tight ends um, at Georgia. And it's very interesting because the recent comments are he's shaking stuff up a, a bit. He's not allowing Lamar to wear a wristband that has the plays on them. He's been saying, nope, this offense is not nearly where it needs to be. Apparently, Lamar's been a bit frustrated. He punted a ball downfield yesterday and threw his helmet in frustration after a blown play. And Mark Andrews flipped the bird to a ref and got an unsportsmanlike <laughs> conduct penalty. Harbour, in perhaps like the best coach speak Wait, ever, he described, this as, uh, he described this as chasing perfection. Uh, what do you think? You, you go, Jack. Do you, can you see this team improving on its 10-7 and 7 result last year where they lost the wildcard round to Cincy given the kind of roster turn and they've decided to pay Lamar, make him the guy? Definitely. I, I think they can. Uh, I believe Todd Monken is a good fit from Georgia for Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson, I think, wants to throw the ball more, hence, you know, getting OBJ, you know, that whole bromance that's going on, which I don't think is likely going to work. I mean, you've still got Mark Andrews there, who I believe is one of the best, under most underrated, perhaps, tight ends in the league. You know, Kelsey and a couple of others get a lot of the spotlight, but he's just solid at that position, likely. And you've got Charlie Kolar there as well. They always have something, the Baltimore Ravens. They've Yes, they could be flipping the bird to refs and punting a ball, but their defense always plays with physicality. Their defense always plays with grit and determination, and it's always they're always scary. I don't know why. You know, it's it's ironic that you'd pick you know a very scary and dark poem to describe the uh, the the Lamar Jackson contract situation. I think they can get better. I, I think they will, and. It's going to be interesting, the narrative around Quinton Johnson and Zay Flowers. I did post on our Twitter, the there's a lot of 
debate from PFF. It's like, who's going to be the better receiver in 2023? You've got Flowers, Smith and Jigba, Quinton Johnson. Just beware of that uh, dialogue, Chargers fans. Remember, Zay Flowers is in a very different situation. So is Jackson Smith and Jigba to a point. But Quinton Johnson will have his role. And even if he gets 500 yards less than Zay Flowers, oh, the, the sky's not falling down. Don't worry. Uh, this team is going to be good. And I think Lamar Jackson has a comeback year. Andy, what say you about this Baltimore team? Not too much. I not too much different to you, uh, mate. I do think that they can improve on. Was it ten and seven last year, Al? Yep. Um, yep. I do think they can. They like you said, they are always a really uh, intimidating outfit. Um, long past the days of Suggs and Reed and Lewis. Um, it's still just a hard-hitting uh, defense. They've got insurance. They've got depth now in the wide receiver room, once again in the running back room. Um, Lamar just kind of has to manage the offense. I don't know whether or not he needs to um, – they need to rely on his arm. They can get a fair bit of uh, yards up to catch with this unit, um, and they've got the options to spread the field as well. Like I said, the defense is really good. Uh, I haven't actually checked their schedule to see what it's like and where, but um, I think that they can improve. And it's a, yeah, it's a, a big primetime game for us on Sunday Night Football. I'm glad none of us are sleeping on the team because like no one's talking about their defensive coordinator, Mike McDonald, who comes in for his first year as a DC, Wink Martindale leaves. They were the third best defense. If you just look at points conceded third last year, the front seven is absolutely loaded. If there's anywhere that could be a problem, the secondary looks a bit thin. If you ask me, obviously Cole Hamilton had an incredible rookie yeah. year, but otherwise that cornerback position, they're only an injury way of, um, being in a bit of trouble, I think. Yeah. But apart from that, like offensive line's good. Quarterback is obviously good. Um, they could, they've always got a solid running game. Maybe a bit of scheme change. They'll take. There'll be some growing pains. I think if there's any team to be a smoky and kind of come out and win twelve games where no one was really talking about them, it will be the Ravens. That's my tip. Yeah. It's it's an they've interesting got, one. Um, yeah, they've definitely sorry, got potential Eddie. to win the division as well. I think. Really do. I then I'm not. I'm not discounting the Bengals at all, but the Ravens could definitely take a couple off them in the division and that's all they need. Jack, over to you, mate. Absolutely agree. Yeah, it's, it's just an interesting one. And I, you know, we've got them in week 12 and a lot can happen in the first 12 weeks of a season before you play. Uh, but I do see, and, yeah. and, and I was thinking about the best way to, to defend it. And I still think the best way to defend this team is to make Lamar Jackson throw. So, uh, I think perhaps also this is where we see the experience of Eric Kendricks play a large part in our uh, path to success against them. They'd be able to that quarterback spy yeah. role. Uh, and we haven't actually touched on it at all, but uh, Joey Bosa, I can't, maybe we did, but Joey Bosa putting on another 20 pounds says to me that perhaps there's going to be less pass rush from whatever side that he's on and setting that edge a little bit more. I have been critical of Joey Bosa in the past because he sells out everything 
to get the to get past the the offensive tackle he's going against and leaves a I guess a a, a highway um, of exit or an exit highway for the for the quarterback in the pocket, especially against someone like Mahomes. When I th- I feel like it's forever and a day that I go, oh Bosa, what are you doing? You know, you've just you've gone wide and you've left this giant hole for Mahomes to get that to either a five or ten yard run or a little stupid pass that goes for a touchdown. Uh, so yeah, it's going to be keeping Lamar Jackson in the pocket, making him make decisions. Again, if he's getting frustrated that he doesn't have a wristband on that has all the players that plays on it, use that to your advantage. You know, make sure you're giving exotic looks. You've got safeties moving around. Your quarters coverage is mixing with a bit of zone, a bit of man. Really make Lamar Jackson think, um, because he's an elite talent. And when he makes a decision to do something, he normally executes it very well. So you need to remove that point. You go, okay, what we need to do is we need to, we need to try and stop him from making a decision and we need him to be confused. I don't know how you do that. One more player, Jack, I want to shout out that we have, that no one will probably talk about and probably important for their season. Can J.K. Dobbins return properly from his injury? Because I went back to just, you know, researching the Ravens. I had a look at at some of their games again. Last year, he was returning from a torn ACL. He suffered ahead of the 2021 season. Missed all of that year. Looked really average to start last year. But then he looked great to end the season. He had 120 against the Steelers, 125 against the Browns, 93 against the Steelers again. So... I hope he does well because it was a very high draft pick and he's very fun to watch. So a little shout out to to J.K. Dobbins. All right, um, straight into the result predictions. I'll go first. Do want to remind listeners that they the, the Ravens obliterated the Chargers in 2021. They won 34 to Oof. 6. I don't know if you will remember that one. It was, it in, was Baltimore in Baltimore and the game yeah. was almost over in the first yep. quarter. <clears throat> Herbert had a lot of problems. So did the offensive line. Just no one rocked up to play. Um, I am predicting a similar result, but not to that degree, but I'm going with a Ravens win by less than a touchdown on Sunday night football at SoFi Stadium. That's my prediction. What about you, Andy? Yeah, I'm going a loss as well. Um, that just scarred me so much, that um, 34 to 6 loss. So loss at home on prime time. Sad. In- Interesting. Yeah. Well, this is where uh, I differ from you. As I'm going, I'm going for the win. Week twelve, you take them away from their fortress in Baltimore. Perhaps they lose a little bit of that uh, tenacity, and they lose a little bit of the uh, the scariness. And Herbert has a long memory, and we do know this. And I believe Herbert will come out ready to play after being embarrassed those uh, all those games ago. So I'm saying we win, and I'm saying we win by anywhere between one and seven points. So there we go. Love it, Jack. All right. Uh, Let's get into just our final overall predictions. Uh, Al, where do you sit through week 18? Just telling it up. The Chargers will have a win-loss record of 12 and 5 in this season. Uh, my losses are to the the Dolphins, Jets, Ravens, Broncos, and Chiefs in that order. So twelve and five to finish second in the AFC West is my prediction. I have not done any of my calculations, so I've got no fucking idea. Uh, I reckon yours is about seventeen and zero. To be honest, <laughs> I think it's something like that. It's yeah. close to it. You Listen, do this all the time. <laughs> I'm an English teacher. We'll I'm not that, a maths we'll teacher. Oh. I don't know. Yeah, we'll win that. Lose that. Uh, let's just go. Let's go. Thirteen and four. Let's do that. Thirteen and four. 
Yeah, I think I went. I think I landed on thirteen and four with you know suiting up a healthy team every week, yeah. um, and then luck and whatnot. Five and one in the division is uh, very tasty. <laughs> yeah. That would be lovely. Um, sweep the NFC North and share the love in the AFC East. Well, I reckon that's all we've got time for now. We'll catch up with you all after the first preseason game next week. Until then, Ooh, take football's care. Back, football's baby. back, baby. We See you are next back. time on the Thunder Down Under Chargers podcast. Peace. Bye. Firing, he's got Floyd turning, got it, zigzag, 10, 5, high step, touchdown, San Diego! Woo-hoo, woo-hoo, woo-hoo. Good night, good night to all!